0: Hi and welcome to the 25th episode of Breaching Extinction. This week I checked back in with Gloria Pancrazzi who was on our 20th episode. She's one of the people that led the March for the Dams which got cut short just based on the effects of COVID. So we checked back in with her and definitely learned a lot. Hope you guys enjoy it. So I have Gloria Pancrazzi here with me again today, um, and we're just kind of checking in um, to see what she learned on the march and how all that went. So yeah, give us give us a debrief. Obviously, we know because of COVID, it got cut short, but tell us what happened.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. What
0: happened just
1: in general during the march or more about it being postponed?
0: Um, just yeah, like all of it, like, you know, like... Um, how far did you guys get, and like what is more like you know what did you learn along the way, and like you know, are there any approaches that we should take differently, et cetera
1: yeah well, I first of all, I learned so much during this march it was and that's why I was like what where do I start' Cause yeah. there's so much to tell um we walked fourteen days, if I'm not mistaken, we walked until Cliffs Park mm-hmm. and the last day we finished it was raining, and then Actually, technically, the last day, it was snowing, so we were waiting the snow out because um, it was dangerous to walk on the highway because mm. the cars wouldn't be able to see us. So we were just protesting in the streets while waiting for the snowstorm to calm down. Um, uh, and then Elena called me, and she was basically, you know, just telling me we may need to not do the protest um, because of COVID. And I was just like, no, no, it's fine. Like, we were just so away yeah. from it all and, you know, in a court group far away. We didn't realize how bad it was getting. And two hours later, we were with all the people in our motel room and just crying and just, okay, we're going to stop. And then the next morning at 6 a.m., I was flying back to Montreal. Wow. But that was how it ended. But the march itself was definitely beautiful and overwhelming and and, and sad and, and everything just because of um, it was beautiful to see all of these people come together. The mm-hmm. first day, I think we were about 100 people second day as well and then as we you know we're getting um further away from Portland it was more the tight core group that mm-hmm. uh, I think we were like 20 to 30 people that were there for the full length of the march and people who had you know taken time off work or just decided to be here and it right. was so beautiful and we obviously all grew so close and they're just that was so beautiful getting to march with so many people that had dedicated that time of their life to protecting the orcas. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And then people would come in for a day because they're like, I work, but tomorrow I'm not. So I'm coming here. Um, Yana Robinson, who's a beautiful poet. She joined us with her boyfriend for a day. um, And she definitely brought so much. I think we were starting to be a bit worn out and she brought so much of, um, she reminded us just how we may just be 30 people. And yes, there should be like tens of thousands of people here. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's 30 people, 60 legs, and we've got the 72 orcas with us. And yeah. um, I think a lot of us realize that a lot of movements start with few people. And as much as we wanted so many people there, we did kind of break a bit of the wall. And, and we learned a lot also about um, just how big the enemy is in this fight. You know, how the lobbies we're facing and the companies and the corruption we're facing is huge. And... It's scary, but also we learned a lot about how to how to stop it and kind of figured out more strategies. So I'm excited to get back out there and finish it with everything we've learned, with all the people we've met, and, um, and get the dance bridge.
0: Yeah, that, that definitely sounds really positive, and, you know, I totally can relate to you. Like, you want you know, a certain amount of people on board and, like, you know, I kind of wish that this podcast had more followers because, like, to me, I see those as people that are vested in the whales, right? But you're right. It has to start from somewhere. And, like, from a historical standpoint, like, most movements start small. And so you guys definitely are, like, a step in the right direction. And I think, you know, you called some attention to it and more people know about it. So, you know, that's good. Um, So what, like what did you learn about like kind of new strategies that we need to take? Right. I
1: think the biggest one is, um, is I think sometimes I'm a little um, optimistic or um, what's another word for it? Just, um, I think that by just, you know, like telling the media that this is happening, they'll want to cover it. Right. Because it's so, and so I've kind of understood how to, get the media's attention on it and for me having like 30 people from friends canada and the states walking to get dance breach that are you know driving two species to extinction that are taking taxpayers money every year that's good enough but for the news not necessarily and again we were mm-hmm. walking in the middle of covid so yeah also a lot of the news was like like this isn't important right now right so that you know like a lot of us are like we need to keep going but and the day we wanted to stop so many people were like let's just Drive to the dams and protest there, and we were Mm -hmm. like, No, because we need to do it when the media will listen, like, Mm -hmm. we need to do it when the world will tune in. Yes, that's one of the things, just also, same with you know, asking people like on Coextinctions platform, like, asking all of our community to you know take action we also need to do it in a way that's like smart and not asking too much of people because people yes. have busy lives. And as much as I think like to think that like, they'll always do all the calls to actions. We have to be a bit more, um, make sure that they want to do it. And so just timing is everything. And then yeah. the other side of it is um, so actually part of that is that the U S army Corps of engineers is violating the endangered species act. And I don't know if I talked if I knew this in our first podcast episode, mm-hmm. Um, I forget if I if I even knew it at the time, but now I know, which is insane. They're violating the Endangered
0: Species Act, and no one is talking about it. Um, yeah, that's, like, what I've been saying this whole time. I was, like, you know, the like, the salmon are critically endangered, and, like, literally, like, I don't understand how they're getting away with it. And I think the reasoning behind it is because, like, salmon is not, like, they're not as much of a charismatic animal. And I think, yeah. you know, saving the orcas is how we save the salmon because, like, you know, people don't care as much about like bugs and reptiles and fish and things like that. And like salmon are actually quite fascinating um, and we need to care about them. But is that kind of like, is that what you mean when you say that they're violating it? Like because of the salmon?
1: Yeah. So basically, with the draft environmental impact statement, they're supposed to do everything in their, actually, sorry, with the Endangered Species Act, they're supposed to do everything in their power to save the salmon and the mm-hmm. orcas. But by not listening to the science, by not listening to um, the facts that, say, breach the four lower snake river dams, and by, you know, releasing a draft environmental impact statement filled with with lies and misinformation, that's how they're violating the Endangered Species Act, because they're not doing everything in their power to save them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think it's going to take at this point? Because, like, obviously, when we literally just, when we look at the facts and the documents that are produced by entities that are you know it's fact-based it's research-based it it from every aspect the dams need to come down environmental social economic they need to come down what is it so what's it going to take and what's getting in the way
1: yeah i think what it's going to take and that's one another thing we've learned um during you know um the march is basically that the u.s and we may be wrong but what we've think we know now is that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and Bonneville Power Administration um you know status quo well actually isn't good with them because Bonneville Power Administration is indebted but um they don't have anything to lose right Mm -hmm. but Governor Inslee if we can get enough public pressure on him and if we can get people like him to be afraid of, you know, not getting a next election or having the whole world being like, what the heck, this governor is not stepping up, is not doing the right thing. Then we could get him to change sides and to say, okay, I'm going to say publicly the four lower Snake River dams need to be breached. So our new strategy is also keep, of course, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and Bonneville Power Administration accountable, but really to put global pressure specifically on Governor Inslee. Um, So, for example, we want to have open letters to him Mm -hmm. when um, we get to the dams, when that happens. And that's signed by, like, celebrities and um, influential people and 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 scientists and politicians and all of that. And this way, um, people that, that, for example, submitting back to the press plus protests happening worldwide for the dams to get breached on one single day, that would be big enough for the news to cover it. And for there to be so much pressure that governor Inslee would finally change sides. And that's what, I mean, I hope that it would be, we never know. And that's definitely something that I've learned is, You never know, but you still got to go out there and do everything you can.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. There's a lot of like naysayers out there and people that are like, well, it's you know, it's not going to happen and this and that or whatever. And if you don't try, there's a 100% chance it won't happen. And even if there's like a 5% chance that it will happen, I think it's definitely worth it. And like you're planting seeds. This is not an issue that happened overnight. It's not going to go away overnight. And so just like continued pressure, I think is good. Um, but, yeah, you know, I definitely kind of agree with your your strategy. When I talked to um, Howard Garrett of Orca Network, he basically was saying, you know, kind of the best way to get these things taken care of is, um, like, changing public opinion. So, you know, the media is really important. And that's kind of, you know, a theme that I've seen throughout this is, you know, it's very – we come from a very privileged place in that we can have a scientifically, like, based opinion because most people – they don't get to think that way like culturally they're not taught that that is um like that you, they're just not taught that you know like in the south and in the midwest a lot of it's like based in christianity or other things and like being somebody that was raised in the midwest i was taught a lot of religious values in a public school which um and i wasn't encouraged to to necessarily learn science so people are going to get their you know the science isn't going to speak to them necessarily right. um so we have to find a way to get through to other people so i, I definitely think you're right um, so how's that going with, you know, getting more influential people on board? Like, do you have certain people you're you're trying to get a hold of more than others? Honestly, right
1: now, we've definitely taken like a full break just because of, mostly because of COVID, right? People, yeah. it's, it's not the, the right time. But what I there are a lot of people that wanted to come or wanted to help and they were just so busy that, you know, they couldn't. Right. And so I'm hoping that, you know, I'm, I'm staying in touch with everyone and hopefully when we get out there, then they'll be able to come. Yeah. Um, so that's one way. And then through the people that have, like you said, you know, we started to, to get a bit of traction and attention on it. So the people who have learned about the March and who we have gone to meet then,
0: um, building off of that, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Now is definitely not the time to try to, to try to save the orcas because people are, they're in their own survival mode and that's totally valid. Um, but, you know, I do think one of the things that we can do during this time is like continue to share the stories of the orca because they're so resilient. And like, you know, a lot of people really do connect to them and in a time where so many things are uncertain um, and, you life is crazy, it can be, you know, it can be helpful for people to see, like, a message of hope, and, like, you know, I'm constantly inspired by these whales and just, like, reminding those people, but, you know, I agree. I think that's definitely really smart on your behalf to not try to do this now, because, like, people people aren't going to care, like, when their survival's on the line, and that's, you know, that's a big issue with a lot of stuff when trying to solve environmental problems, is it's not that people don't care, it's just, you know, they have financial restrictions or other different restrictions that are um, limitations that, don't allow them to, you know, put the same value on the environment that a lot of us do.
1: Totally. And, and actually, I love what you just said about, I think I, I haven't thought about it that way yet, but, you know, we are in our own survival mode. A lot of people around the world are right now. And to look back at the orcas and to learn from them, you know, I think we can all learn from them no matter what we're going through in life. Um, and just even if you're not going through anything in life, but in this time to think, hey, we're in survival mode right now. They're always in survival mode. They're yeah. always looking out for each other, like we've we're learning to do now. They're always, you know, like keep going and and you know looking for food, and they're hungry and they're cold. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful to go back to them in that time and get to connect people.
0: Yeah, um, work as in these weird times. Yeah, I think so. And I just, you know, one of the things is like even though they're starving they are still cooperative feeders like the science has shown that they they do share their food like everybody gets some everybody gets enough like that you know they take care of you know they're one of the only species that will take care of like disabled um like members of their population like there's that one whale with scoliosis and they you know they make sure to take care of them but despite being in survival mode they still take care of each other and i don't think that that's something that humans have historically done um but I, I see that definitely now with COVID um, happening, there's a lot more people that are coming together. And so, you know, that makes me hopeful for the future. And I'm, you know, kind of hoping this virus brings to light that, you know, sometimes the media tries to paint a different picture of reality than what's going on. And like, I think there's a lot of corruption in our government and that's where these negative messages come for. But I've seen a lot of people come together with COVID and like, Um, you know everybody's trying to kind of help each other out even though we see people like hoarding toilet paper and whatnot I don't think that's the vast majority so I think we're getting to like a more compassionate place and I'm hoping that you know can translate more people can see that and that hopefully will be a motivating factor for people just you know how they interact in their own lives but how we take care of our planet as well because it's clearly important you know.
1: A hundred percent and I mean I agree with everything you said and then especially how we take care of our planet, our relationship with animals, you know, like how we treat them, how we value them. Um, and even the fact that, you know, our earth is getting to breathe a little bit and going back to the orcas, you know, I have friends that are um, still there in Seattle or San Juan Island. And they're telling me that there's no tankers right now and it's quiet. And, you know, um, I think it's recreational fishing has been put to a halt and, you mm-hmm. know, we're just kind of giving them space. We're giving mm-hmm. everyone space and, I think, um, as a silver lining to this pandemic and how the whole world is, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. suffering, um, we are giving much, much healing time to our planet and it needs it.
0: Absolutely. You know, it gives people time to self-reflect and, um, get in touch with, you know, what their true values are at the end of the day. And also, you know, one of the things it's done for me is like. You know, I'm always I'm always wanting to work and do the next thing. And I love, you know, having different projects, but we're not supposed to work all the time, I realize, which is part of why I haven't posted anything in three weeks. Um, But, you know, I think people will realize like it's we're not like our values should be different. We should prioritize our communities and our planet and like doing what's right at the end of the day not just making money because we've you know we are a slave to money like our culture and stuff and it's for some people it's a choice and for some people it's not um but yeah I'm glad that people are taking a chance to breathe and I'm hoping that there's some change that comes out of this like you know I always think that so of our best lessons are learned in our hardest times. And this is a hard time for everybody. And, you know, we can come together, we can come out stronger, like, and we can make it better for the whales um, and for everybody else too. But I think the more people that know the story of the Southern residents, like, you know, that's just more hope and whatnot that's being spread throughout the community and throughout the world. So, yeah.
1: Oh I love what you just said. I just agree with all of it and it just put a really big smile on my face and I think it's important to, you know, think of yeah the lessons this time is teaching us and and um and to make sure that we don't just revert back to our old selves that we learn from it and grow from it and um and it and I I've been actually speaking of like um, just like getting to talk more about their Southern residents to everyone for them to learn from it or to feel happy mm-hmm. or just to remember that um, I've been uh, learning the matriarchs of Southern resident killer whales nice. and sorry, the met- the lines. Yes. And, um, and with uh, our friends, PNL protectors and people from the team on co-extinction. And, um, and so PNL protectors, um, snow and inside, they know all the stories and they've just been like telling them to us. And it's been so amazing getting to learn more about these orcas and, you know, each of their stories. And why I'm going so much in depth into this is because one of them was um, J-28 Polaris, who, mm-hmm. um, who passed away. She had, a, she had a young calf and they both died of starvation. She had another daughter, J-46 Star, who mm-hmm. when her mom and her brother were starving, she would come and bring salmon to them. And she was, I think, four or eight years old or something like that, mm-hmm. just a young child. And she would just bring all this food to her mom and to her brother so they would survive and just the togetherness that we're experiencing right now.
0: Just another way of thinking about the Orcas. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they, they're a symbol of, like, hope and unity. And, you know, they, mm-hmm. the, they're, they've faced so many threats. And, like, the reason why, I, like, I get that they're endangered and they're still, the population is dwindling, but I still consider them very resilient in the sense that, like, they cool. don't give up. Like, they've faced a lot of the same struggles that people have, like, you know, with, with being captured and put into tanks. Like, there's, you know, that kind of reminded me of, like, what was going on with a lot of, like, people being separated their f- with from their families. Um, like, even here, like, in the United States, and when you think about, like, colonialism and things like that, like, people just being ripped apart from their families. Like, that is still something that we see today, and that's something that's so painful, but... You know, also people just kind of being like held captive in certain situations as well. But they've they face that, they face toxins, they don't have enough food. Like, there's a lot of things, but they just keep going. And that's one of the things that's so inspiring. And they still choose love every time, which I get that that's not a scientific standpoint, but like, I feel like that's what it is, you know, because. They, they prioritize one another and it's not, you know, it's not just all about themselves, which is something that's, you know, sometimes even rare to see in humans. So that's, it's just inspiring. We can always just look to them.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And we have so much to learn from them. And it's funny that I'm just thinking how it's, it's insane the time we're going through in our lives right now. And even, you know, like we're supposed to talk about the march, but we're just, like this pandemic is so huge and we have to talk about it and
0: yeah we do it's something that affects everybody (laughs) yeah like you know we yeah it's something that's like impacting everybody i think that's what it is it's like a time to slow down and like reconnect figure out what your values are, Um, but we'll come out of this stronger, and, like, you guys will resume your march, and, you know, this could have been a good thing of, like, you you learned the lessons that you were supposed to learn. Now you can go back and, like, have a bigger and better march than before. Um, Obviously, we don't know when this is gonna end, but do you guys have, like, a a timeline for when the march might start up again? No, honestly, it'll be
1: when, When because there's no timeline, right, and there's so many... I think it's as soon as, as soon as like travel bans are no longer in place. As soon as people can can you know, kind of like life resumes, I guess. Yes. And then we'd probably need like a little bit of time just to like kind of get things organized again. Make sure people can come. You know, like give them the time to organize themselves, and then, um, and then head back out there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I hope,
1: I hope in the summer or like definitely as I mean as soon as possible. I hope that. Um, I hope that in the summer will be possible.
0: Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to see. I feel like also you probably got to wait for the economy to bounce back because with so many people losing their jobs at this time, like you know, it could be a huge financial stress to to try to come up there. That's um, true. I didn't
1: I didn't even think about that, but that's very true.
0: Um, so it could be a minute, but yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that you learned that was significant, or are there any other like stories of the residents that you've heard that? um, that have brought you joy that you would want to share? Oh, any
1: story about the Mm -hmm. Southern residents always brings me joy. And, (laughs) but, um, I don't know if I have any other ones, but anything else I've learned in general, either from the orcas or from the March or anything like that. I think actually the, the, cause you asked me this at the beginning and I, and I didn't really answer, but it was, um, I think I realized that the only way things are going to change. It's like, you are the only one that can make change happen. Yes. And you know, this March was 30 people that each decided they were going to, and more than 30 people, probably 150 total um, people who decided they were going to be part of something. They were going to be part of the change. Yeah. And like, without those people, it would have just been, you know, Morgan and I walking. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with you. Like, you know, so many people are like, one person doesn't make a difference or this or that. Like, I'm not going to make an impact. And like, you know, when you feed into what the media tells you about, like, how the world is, is so bad all the time you reinforce that and like you continue to perpetuate that when you don't make the choice like it starts with you and then other people see you living your life the way that you are and then you know they become inspired so like if you like it sounds cheesy but like when you start to change within yourself like you know that'll attract more people and that will follow and like ultimately we make the choices at the end of the day like the rules are they're made up by people so like we just change them you know. A hundred percent. I totally agree. And yeah, I think we often forget just how
1: strong, I guess, we are, how, and I, that's something else we're learning in this pandemic, right? How resilient we are like the orcas or like mm-hmm. the salmon um, and how togetherness really does make the difference, whether you're going through a pandemic, whether you're fighting for environmental justice, whether you're going through whatever you're going through in life, right? hmm
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're all connected more so than we think. And I think that's another theme in this pandemic that we're seeing is how connected we are, because we can't go out because, you know, we're going to spread the germs. But um, and the whole world's affected. And like, you know, it doesn't the the consequences, whether they're negative or positive of this don't, it's not just affecting humans. Like you said, it's affecting the planet, you know, the whales are getting a break, but also we're seeing areas that were like high in pollution things like that. Like the smog has gone away and there's other things. So, you know, it's just like a reminder that, you know, for people that maybe don't believe in science or are going to make their decisions otherwise, like you can confirm with, with those in different communities that like things are changing, the environment's affected and like, you know, we do have an impact. We do.
1: We a hundred percent do. And I think that's the biggest thing that almost like, not the biggest thing, but one of the biggest things that can actually be, you know, detrimental Mm -hmm. either to our, to ourselves during this pandemic thinking we don't have an impact, thinking that if we go out, it's okay. Then there's, you know, environmentally thinking we don't have an impact that your daily habits and choices don't affect the environment or others. And, yeah, just remembering going back to everything is interconnected. And that's, I love that you said that because um, it's so silly, but yesterday I was writing up a post about the pinnipeds and the sailor sea mm-hmm. and how everything's interconnected. And I, and I almost wrote it, but I didn't because I was like, like, okay, enough talking about the pandemic in at least one post for people. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to not say it, but it is reminding us that everything is interconnected.
0: It is. Yeah. It's like, you know, it all has a ripple effect and like, you don't, you know, some people are like, Oh, it doesn't like, it really does. When you pay attention and you think about like your own life and your own interactions and things that happen, like it has a ripple effect. And like, you get to make the choice of if you want it to be positively impacted or not, and you get to choose what's valuable and what's not. So like, if you, you know, value money and status, like that's, you know, that's your choice. So you can also choose to to value the environment and like, it, they don't have to necessarily be binaries but like yeah you, you know just you get to make the choice basically and like we are all connected so the choice that you do make matters it does have an impact whether you see yeah. it or not if there's an impact so. exactly but, like yeah I'm just
1: thinking it, again just the pandemic like you don't see when you Touch something at the store. This is so. This is a very silly metaphor, but um, mm. or like comparison. But you don't see that you're
0: transmitting potentially a virus. You don't see it, but you do. You are. Yeah. And yeah. No, I like. I was like thinking about that yesterday. I was on a walk, and I was like, you know, for something that's so tiny and that we can't see, it's having like such an impact on everybody. It's absolutely real, and like you can definitely like you know, see a virus, I'm sure under a microscope or something. But like, um, you know, it just goes to show that like, even if you like, like, it doesn't have to be like physically in front of you to make it like tangible or real. So and you can spread like, you know, instead of spreading a virus, like we can spread positivity, we can spread hope. Um, And so you can just like kind of switch gears. Those are also things that we can't see. We definitely can't see those under a microscope, but like hopefully we can see those in like other people's lives and in this movement. I love that. I really do. Well, thank you. Um, Well, is there anything else that you kind of want to share or any thoughts that you have for people right now? Oh, I'm like, I don't know if I have any thoughts in particular.
1: We're just thinking back about, everything we've talked about um, you said at some point how, you know, it's, it, this is teaching us that we're not always supposed to be doing things all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I guess that's definitely something that I'm learning, especially after the March, um, which was so much of like doing so much all the time. And now, you know, went back and you're not on the, like on the ground, you're not doing everything. And you kind of just like sit and mm. it's a powerful time, I guess, to, to educate ourselves, to to be with ourselves, to sit with ourselves, and um, let's use it as you know, positively as possible. To um, we've been posting on on coextinction different ways people can stay. Whilst, I mean, help the orcas while staying at home, and one of them is you know, like read, educate yourself because the more you know, the more you can educate others, the more you can have conversations with people who may not have the same views as you, and that's so important. So. Yeah. Yeah, just, uh, ju- just try to use your your time well, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think also when you read in a period of stillness like this, at least for me, because I'm a big reader, um, everything's sticking more because I'm not like hustling to the next thing. Um, but also, like, you know, aside from just books about the orcas, I encourage people to read books about like communication and like um, psychology and different things um, just because. You know we're really good at communicating to each other and we all realize that the scientific perspective is one that is valid um, but that's not necessarily true for other people so I think we need to look at the way that we communicate with everybody and make it accessible to you know to all groups but I've you know I've been reading a lot of books about like from Bernay Brown she's a psychologist that studies um, like shame and compassion and things like that and basically her goal in life it seems is like to help people live wholehearted lives or to feel like you know whole people and she talks about like um the ways that we communicate and like that and also like what it takes you know to be a a whole person and in our culture she's found that um we definitely we're always working and like that calmness and being still is a necessary part of like being a good worker and doing a good job like rest play like you know having time to yourself having time to be quiet those are just as important as doing the work so that's like you know something to be reminded of during this time too and that's just not that's not me just saying something like she literally is a a neurobiologist and like you know it's it's hardwired in your DNA so like definitely it's important to take time to be still sometimes
1: I totally agree I've been that's what I've been talking a lot about with my friends and just yeah learning learning to be still and um and learning to learning that's doing things with that space um one of my friends told me this week you know like when you get a new house you fill it so quickly when you have a free afternoon you, you fill it up so quickly and right now maybe we just need to sit with that space and see what happens yeah and um to talk also about the books and about howard garrett actually he he um emailed me about um the four lower snake river dams and i'm kind of part of this group we're just brainstorming all these different ideas Mm -hmm. and he was saying that the socioeconomic argument is one that isn't being made enough so we're kind of just trying to see what how can we you know exactly like you said how can we argue to other people who you know don't understand the orca aspect or the scientific aspect of like and especially economically speaking it's you know the further we were walking and the further we were walking away from, from Portland and towards the dams, um, Jim Waddell and Jesse Nightwalker from the Palouse tribe who was walking with us, he was mm-hmm. telling us we're going to have to change our, our our signs from, they were very Orca oriented, we need to change them towards more how people are losing money on this because yeah. they don't care about the Orcas there, you know, And and we met so many people who didn't know, who didn't know that you know, it's their money being lost. And we were telling them all these facts and they were like, Whoa, this is insane. And some people wanted to he- listen. Some people didn't and, and that's okay. But it's very, yeah, it's very crazy to know that just there's so much misinformation there from the lobbies and from what they spread. And it's just, it's insane.
0: Yeah. I mean, people are taught to trust the media and I grew up in that, but you know, that was one of the first things when I started kind of exploring this issue um, That was one of the first things I looked at was the economic um, side of things, just because I know that that's what talks like. That's what what motivates people. And, you know, we're very fortunate to have that passion for animals. But, you know, I grew up poor. And so I understand the perspective uh like I understand that perspective as well of like you know if you can't afford rent and you can't like you're just trying to feed your kids you're just trying to live and you're working you know 50 60 hours a week just to support yourself or your family there's no time like there's no time to to look at whales and to care about whales as much as you want to hey peachy quiet um as much as like you know like it, it doesn't make these people bad at all it's literally not their fault and so I think Sometimes these people get villainized because they're like, oh, they're so selfish. They only care about money. But like they care about money because they have to, unfortunately. And that's the truth for for most Americans. And, you know, in the scientific community, I think that that's often forgotten because, you know, to be in a position like this, you have to go to college and you have to have a degree or probably multiple degrees. Um, And that takes a lot to get there. And a lot of environmental internships are unpaid. Um, and most of the school systems don't do a very good job of connecting people to the environment. So it's not their fault, but unfortunately that is what talks. So like, you do have to, like, if that's what people care about and that's how we get these issues solved and that's how we get them solved. But I totally agree. Like if you switch to the, Hey, your money is being wasted. That's, what's going to wake people up because, you know, money is another, like it's another month of rent or it's a car payment or something like that to keep people sustained
1: Totally. And, like, even more than money, I mean, the, like, I mean, not more than money, but the other side of it is that people are being told that, you know, if these dams are breached, there's going to be power outages, there's going to be flooding, mm-hmm. they're going to be have to pay more money, you know, mm-hmm. like all of that, because, like, there's going to be new electricity. There's They're also saying that, you know, why would you remove dams when we're in a climate crisis? You don't mm-hmm. want to go towards, like, you know, an oil-driven power source right and it's just while the truth is you breach these dams nothing happens there's a power surplus in washington so you'll be fine
0: yeah and like it's just funny because i i heard all of the same like i heard the the cons against it and the same things that you're saying that other people are hearing and like i went down to um one of the the dams the lower granite one and um with a friend of mine, and we both like noticed that there were windmills all the way down, and then we also noticed that there was um, a train track like right alongside the dam, the same route that they're, you know, arguing like, "Hey, the stuff that's being transported, we can't transport it elsewhere." Well, there's literally, there's, there's a train track right there, so that's potentially an option. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of misinformation, but like even just like looking at it, I mean, obviously, you should look and see how much energy those things support and where that energy goes like obviously we have the answers but there's so much misinformation and like things get twisted and you know it's it is because there are some people that are greedy and they want money like Bonneville Power Association I'm just gonna like call a spade a spade like that's what's going on there it's it's about them at the end of the day and they're not looking at the big picture of like people will save money and the whales will be saved and like this is like one of the the few I feel like environmental issues that is it is highly complex but it's not that complex. there's not like we're not like looking at like two sides of like well it's gonna have this detrimental effect if we do this or people will be impacted this way it's like it's like it makes sense from every angle so it just needs to happen
1: a hundred percent and I just I'm still so so many people tell me why? why aren't they breaching them? It doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's mostly because, you know, um, they don't want to admit that they've been lying. They don't want to have this huge scandal on their hands. And they, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think they are making money from, um, selling the money to California. So I think that's another side of it, but I'm not 100% sure about that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And actually you were asking me, um, if I have something else to say, say, and I don't know if this is, will be released before then, but on Monday is the last day people can send in their public comment on that draft environmental impact statement. So definitely urge everyone to go there. And on March for the Dance.com, we have the template text to use um, and all the steps, you know, hashed out for you. So it's super simple. Mm-hmm. So definitely please go there. From what you know, you and I were saying earlier that you make a difference and some people may be thinking oh this public comments doesn't make a difference but it does every single voice out there being like this draft environmental impact statement will not save the orcas or the salmon you are breaking the law
0: yeah literally the dance this year absolutely yeah i like i was talking to i have a friend who studies like she's in law school right now at Lewis and Clark and i asked her i was like like she doesn't study environmental law but i was like this doesn't make sense to me like how can they do this to the salmon you know how is that like how is this legal? And I think it's it's the lack of accountability. They're absolutely breaking the law, and that's clear. Um, but no one's holding them accountable. No one's trying to take them to court. And I don't even know how you would even begin to do that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's totally illegal. And, like, you need to, like, call them out. And I think, you know, if we potentially find more people that, that understand law better that can maybe help us understand, that can be helpful as well and, like, point out, like, exactly what parts of the law they're breaking. Um, but it's... Like, we definitely have to hold them accountable. Like, that's what this is. Because people do illegal stuff all the time and get away with it because no one says anything. So you got to yeah. say something.
1: 100%. And that's actually something, I think it's for, um, I forget which one. Um, but I know that the the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers just had, I think it's a Keystone Pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, where they uh, basically they just lost the lawsuit because they um they were breaking the ending they were violating the endangered species
0: act well maybe this is an avenue that we need to explore is like the legal yeah. side of it um because like i mean that's what it is at this point it's it's law breaking and i'm not even sure where you start with that but like i think continuing to like you know show like you know get the public's attention but also like Potentially, we should look at like the legal aspects of this and see what we could pursue or what we could at least, you know, figure out in order to try to to hold them accountable and get them to stop breaking these laws.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm curious to look into it as well. And I want to talk to I messaged Howard about it, too. So we'll see what he says Um, and talking to Jim Waddell, who obviously knows everything about that to see if because i think there are some organizations that have been doing lawsuits but they're the ones that aren't really for breaching the four lower snake river dams this year mm. so um okay. yeah and then there's the whole like econ like in um money aspect of it of like you know lawsuits cost money so it's like how to do that yeah. as well that's kind but of... for me i'm very curious to look more into it and to see if it could help
0: yeah I mean, that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, that's the cost of it. Because, like, you know, when I've... The different, um, like, dams that I've looked at... And I haven't done a ton of research, to be completely honest, that have been successful at being removed. Um, like, the, there was one here in California that got removed, and it restored, like, a population of fish that was endangered. And um, essentially, what the reason that it was removed is because it was privately owned. And so, I'll, like, in my head, I was like, could we could we purchase the dams? And then could we, from there have enough money to take them down and I think that's definitely too big of a feat but maybe it might be like it might be a smaller feat to try to to try to you know take a legal option and pursue that but it's like you know we could potentially raise those funds and like get it figured out and like I said you know with a bunch of people coming together um, you never know like what can happen and I honestly like I've been really surprised with um, I like in my own personal life I had to do like a fundraising effort Uh, the last time I talked to you actually uh, my dog had just had surgery, um, but okay, I like that. I said, yeah, she's doing really good. She's obviously, you just heard her bark. She's back to to doing her thing, but that was a really inspiring um, situation for me because basically my dog was going to die, and she needed to have emergency surgery, and I, my roommate suggested that I start a GoFundMe because it was close to five grand that I didn't have offhand, because um, like most Americans, I just don't, and She, uh, we were able to raise the funds in six hours and my dog was able to have surgery and she survived. And so like, I, you know, and there were people that, you know, they donated $5 and other people donated more, but eventually my dog was able to have surgery and she's fine. So like, we could do it. Like, you know, a lot of people, they're like, oh, it'll be hard. It's very unlikely to succeed. But if we don't try, we, we don't know. So maybe we do like pursue the legal option and then. Um, you know, raise money for lawyers, but also, you know, there are lawyers out there that are willing to to sacrifice some of their time, or like that's true, uh, yeah, Pro whatever. Bono. So, you know, what well, that's just another option that we have to look at as well. So, it's a good point. But if any of you guys are listening to this and you're lawyers or you know lawyers
1: that
0: could help, let us know. Cause you know, this is, you know, I'm very curious about this. And you said there was like another case, um, that like they were looking at the, or that someone had violated the Endangered Species Act. The U.S. Army Corps had here. I have the article. I can find the article actually. Cool. Um,
1: Um, yeah, no, it's the U.S. Army Corps just once again doing that, um, let me see if I can quickly find it. There we go. Um, Standing Rock Sioux Tribe prevails as federal judge strikes down DAPL permits for the Dakota Access Pipeline.
0: Cool. So um, it is possible. We can do it. Um, but yeah, we should definitely like look into that more, too, and see what they did that was successful and kind of take tools and tips from those people as well.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: I'm down. Let's do it. Yep. Awesome. Well, I think I'm going to go ahead and end the episode here unless you have any final thoughts. No, just I'm excited with this hopeful end. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Well, hope you guys are, are doing okay with the virus, that you're taking care of yourselves. Um, but yeah, have a have a good day.